FM, KKFI, Kansas City, Community Radio. Streaming online at www.kkfi.org. The views and opinions of this program are those of its host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 90.1 FM, KKFI, Midcoast Radio Project, or its staff and volunteers. Sad story now Still waiting for the truth to be told now It won't be long now now. Won't be long Heard the news Heard your rivers all run dry And on TV I see missiles in your sky Word is out, loud whispering going on. Boy, angels turn mercenaries, coming ten thousand strong. Oh, Lavenguru, Motherland, yeah. Oh, Lavenguru, Black and White Sand. Oh, Lavenguru, Motherland. Children wearing bells in their bags. 
tuned to 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. This is Urban Connections. I'm your host, Donna Morrow-Wolf. Our co-host, Karen E. Griffin, is in studio with us at the table, along with our guest, uh, Cynthia Bryant, JD, LLM, Chair of the Board of Trustees of the organization known as the Seeing Eye. Welcome to Urban Connections and KKFI, Cynthia. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. It's wonderful to have you here uh, with us. Also in the studio is our dear friend, Louis Duguid, uh, author, yes. activist, uh, and facilitator yeah. of our conversation here today with Cynthia. So thank you for bringing Cynthia to us, uh, Louis. Um, I want to talk a little bit about our, our guests. I'm going to give give you guys some biographical uh, information about what, what about Cynthia and a little bit about what we're doing today, uh, so you know um, what we're talking about. Um, Cynthia Bryant, uh, Juris Doctor, uh, Master of Laws, became chair of the Seeing Eyes Board of Trustees this past March 9th, 2023. The Seeing Eye was founded in 1929 and it provides specially bred and trained dogs to guide people who are blind. Seeing eye dog users experience greatly enhanced mobility and independence, allowing them to retain their active lifestyles despite blindness. The Seeing Eye is a 501c3 not-for-profit uh, organization. Um, our guest, Cynthia Bryant, uh, was, was a U.S. government special counsel for more than 20 years. Now she's a mediator, a negotiator, and a diversity practitioner. She holds a Bachelor of Arts from Bradford College, a Juris Doctorate from the University of Kansas, a Master of Laws from American University, and she is a three-time graduate of the Seeing Eye. Uh, Cynthia lives in Chevy Chase, Maryland. Currently, she's working with a seeing eye dog named Summer, who is also in the studio uh, with us here today. Uh, Yellow Labrador Golden Retriever Cross. Both Cynthia and Summer graduated from the seeing eye in July of 2017. Uh, she was matched with her, uh, Cynthia was matched with her first seeing eye dog, a black lab golden retriever cross named Royale back in 2008, and her second was a black lab retriever named Sophia. Um, Cynthia is quoted to have said, the seeing eye has been a part of my life for 15 years now. When I first came to the seeing eye, I'd never had a dog before. In fact, I was afraid of dogs. But now she says, now I can't imagine my life without one. Cynthia is the first graduate of the Seeing Eye to serve as the chair of the Board of Trustees. She's also the first person of color to serve as chair and is the first woman to serve as chair since Seeing Eye uh, co-founder Dorothy Harrison Eustace held that dual title of board chair and president from 1929 to 1940. Uh, the first graduate to serve as president and CEO Dr. James Cush Jr. retired in 2019. Uh, I'm going to say this too. Cynthia Bryan is a former member of the Board of Governors for the University of Kansas Law School 
and serves on the law school's Diversity Advisory Council. She is a board member for National Industries for the Blind and also a member of the National Association of Corporate Directors, the National Association for Multi Multicultural Education, National Speakers Association, Association for Conflict Resolution, and the African American Federal Executive Association. Uh, Cynthia Bryan is a member of the Bars of Missouri, the District of Columbia, and the United States C Supreme Court. So this is the extraordinary yeah. individual that we have I'm honored uh, to see here, <laughs> here in studio uh, with us today. And I want to thank you once again. Uh, Cynthia, while you're in Kansas City, to coming by, coming by, and seeing us here on uh, KKFI. Um, first, a little bit about you. All these amazing accomplishments, yeah. and you are a seeing impaired individual. Is that the correct term to use? Well, I am. At this point, I would probably say that I am a person who is blind. Um, I have uh, retinitis pigmentosa which is a deterioration of the retina. So um, it's been progressive throughout my life. I didn't, it doesn't seem to be in the bio that I was born and raised here in Kansas City, Missouri. No, it doesn't say that. Yes, so this is my, I'm on my home turf today. Hometown girl. Yes, yes, yeah. I am a hometown girl. Welcome back home. Thank you, thank you. So for myself, um, in terms of eye disorder, um, I have lived both in the sighted world and now moving more into the blind world. So it's been uh, an interesting experience on both sides of the spectrum, yeah. So when you first got your first uh, seeing eye dog, and tell me if I'm using the right terminology, because I, I don't want to use something that's like archaic or mm -hmm. offensive, No, people don't know. You're right on point. I think. The thing to remember is that the seeing eye is a registered name. So when you're speaking about the seeing eye, mm -hmm. you're talking about our dogs in particular. Mm -hmm. okay. So if you're talking about uh, guide dogs in general that service people who are blind, then the term is guide dog. So while we're here, whenever you refer to seeing eye, it is a dog from our school. A dog from your school. Yes. And tell us about how people um, I guess come to the realization or what what resources become available or offered to you and is it usual that people get this seeing eye dog service offered to them well you know I can I can speak for myself um, like I said in terms of my eye disorder mm -hmm. um, and my career in Washington DC I was going I you know each day as an attorney I was taking 12 trains and uh, 12 escalators and four trains round trip and using a cane and for myself as my eyes began to deteriorate a bit more I began to rely on more of the of the metro assistance in, in DC that door-to-door -door, point to point drop-off and that really was taking away from me what I felt was my independence mm -hmm. to do and move as I wanted to move and so there was a friend of mine at work that said, well, have you, and he is blind, and he had a dog from the seeing eye, and he said, well, have you ever thought about a seeing eye dog? And I thought, hmm, dogs. Mm. Um, when I was eight, um, I was outside calling my cat, 
and uh, that was before leash laws, so there was a dog that came barreling around the corner straight at me, and I barely made it inside. So that kind of left an impression of not being too fond of big dogs. Um, but I decided to try it because I needed to get back to what I viewed was being me, coming and going and doing as I wanted to, you know, where I wanted to go. So I went down to or up to the school in Morristown, New Jersey, and uh, met with the trainers, looked at the institution. Normally they come out to you. You do an application, you apply, they come out, they see where you live, they do a walk with you a Juno walk, so they see what your pace is, what your occupation is, do you have the mobility, do you have the maturity, are you 16 or older, all of these things they take into account. But for me, I went to see them first <laughs> to see what I thought, and um, ultimately I did go into class. I remember that first night of going to the seeing eye. They pay for your transportation to and from the school. Wow. Um, when you get your first dog, you pay $150 for the dog because they, then, you know, that gives you an investment in the whole process. And after that, every subsequent dog is $50. Wow. And veterans get it for, free, for $1. But if you are not unable to pay, you're not denied a dog. Now, all of that said, it costs the institution $73,000 per dog wow. um, to train them and bring them to you. So, you know, I, I, I went to the institution and I, uh, I remember that first night of waiting for Royale to come in the room and what was I going to think and how were we going to, to work together. And um, we did. You have, you have bumps, you have uh, peaks and valleys. It's a, it's a process of learning to trust the dog. Um, trust that she's able to guide you where you need to go. When you're using a cane, a cane helps you to identify point to point. When you're using a dog, a dog is trained to avoid obstacles. So you need to trust that they are avoiding those obstacles. And um, it's, it's a process. And what's, what's great is at that time, we had graduates there with new people and that, you know, that goes with each class. And in those days when I was having a hard time, you know, you'd sit down with the grad and they say, it's gonna be all right. Just keep on, keep on keeping on and learn more and more. And sooner or later, one day it's just going to click. And it did. Now, how, about how long did it take you and, and what is the average um, period of time you have to spend in training with well, your dog? Yeah, for, for, for new students, it's 25 days and for subsequent students it's 18 days so what they do when you come into the school you have your own private room um, the dog is <laughs> the dog is literally dropped off with you within 24 48 hours of being there you go out each morning and take care of her needs his needs you feed them they are yours to handle and you learn very early on to begin to bond what is what is critical to um, the whole process working out well is the bonding process between you and your dog. And then you go out with an instructor. The instructor, these dogs have come back from being puppy raised after 14 to 16 months. They come back and they work with the trainer for four months before they come to the student. Wow. So they are trained in traffic. They're trained in, you know, all sorts of needs in the city, stopping the top of stairs, um, stopping at curb cuts, it goes on and on that they go through an extensive training. 
And then while you're there during the first 25 days, um, you go through routes progressively. Each, each route you go through with your instructor, and then you solo the route to make sure that you've got that route down. Then it gets progressive. You go to the next level, and then the next level. We are located not far from uh, New York City, so for me, working in Washington, D.C., I needed to make sure that my dog could work in the city. So <laughs> we went off to New York, wow. and we navigated New York, and that was the day. I can tell you the exact moment when I felt like I got it mm -hmm. is um, we were walking down one of the, the, the avenues. Of course, you know, in New York City, wall-to-wall -wall people, um, um, obstacles everywhere and we came to scaffolding and my my instructor was watching and Royale just went through it navigating left right in out and boom stopped at the end of the corner to cross the street and I thought we got this <laughs> <laughs> like, got a, like this. An, a real obstacle yes yes we we and yes and she had to figure that out for herself she'd never seen it before so are there like campuses the seeing eye is your like a campus that you go to and where are these sites located throughout the nation um there's one local there's one central campus it's in morristown new jersey we sit on 62 acres it's the washington valley campus and the student facilities administrative offices and some of the veterinary facilities are there and that's where the students come we fly them from all over the united states and canada to that location, however, whatever transportation they take to get there. And um, we house them. Um, like I said, all their needs are taken care of. And what they focus on is the dog. And th when they come in, they are students. When they leave, they are graduates. And um, like I said, it's a 25-week process for new students. And um, um, you know, we, we have them come there. Now, we do have another facility, and that is where we breed our puppies, breed our dogs, and, and the puppies are raised as well. So there are two campuses. And there are uh, particular breeds of dogs that are more suitable for this type of work? Well, what we use are lab, Labradors, uh, Goldens, and Shepherds, and Lab, lab, lab Golden Crosses. That's what our institution has used throughout the years. Um, and you know, we find that they work well. Now, does anyone who owns a dog, um, is it possible that that dog that's already yours could be trained to do this type of work? Or once you need to be a puppy to start out? We usually start them out as puppy. I think we have to keep in mind that um, Dogs come with temperaments. Dogs mm. come from different environments. Um, we need to, so, so we prefer to breed them. They go out to um, our puppy raisers. We have about 500 in the area of, of uh, New Jersey. And they go through obedience training. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen, I've seen them around Washington, DC, where you'll see a little puppy and they'll say in training and they take them mm. into a library, they take them into a grocery store. Um, they go through a very specific training and we've bred them to have a very specific temperament as well. So um, it's, it's important for us that they come from the institution itself. Now, when you say to have a particular type of temperament, can you describe the temperament of, of, of the dogs that Seeing Eye is raising? 
or the desired temperament? Well, um, hmm, the, the temperament, you know, we, we have them that they are go-getters. Um, um, for example, Summer is very um, active, but you wanted a dog. You want a dog that's able to be obedient. You want a dog that, um, um, you know, is able to 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 listen to what the owner is is wanting them to do. Um, not all dogs have that temperament. Even those that are bred at the seeing eye. And sixty percent of our dogs go into training, or go into you know partnerships, mm-hmm. or breeding. The other 40%, um, depending on their temperament, may go to law enforcement or search and rescue or other organizations. So even within our colony, we're very careful. It's like the Navy SEALs or something. You know, it, it takes a very special way to become a seeing eye dog. Um, aggression is not something, per, for example, that you know you want necessarily in a dog. Um, so. And, and, and the person who has a dog has to be at least 16 years old, is that correct? Yes, yes. It's, there's a maturity level that goes along with it. We want to make sure that they are able to care for the dog um, because there is the regimen of getting up. There's a regimen of uh, veterinary care. Um, there's the regiment of making sure that you're able to get out and walk with the dog, that you're active in your community. Um, all of those types of things. There's also looking to make sure that the that the conditions within the home is is you know suitable for a dog as well. So, is there continuing support from the seeing eye after you uh, get your dog? There is. That's all a part of that process. Um, even um, now, uh, for myself, for example, I moved from one neighborhood to another. I was not familiar with the area and. There were some obstacles, and, and you know, I, I, I live alone, so I wasn't sure what to do, and I called the school. And uh, we tried to troubleshoot it over the phone, but if not, they come out. Mm-hmm. They're always available for the life of the dog to come and help you troubleshoot what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're running into an obstacle, if you're running into a concern with the dog, if the dog is beginning to um, 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 exhibit some behavior that you're not sure how to work them through it. So um, they, they are always there for the life of the dog. And even with one of my dogs, um, I have to say, um, when I wasn't sure if it was time for her to retire, um, they would come out and, and we'd talk about where the dog is and we'd talk about, um, is she still eager to go out? Um, um, is she um, you know, still good and on point with her traffic and things like that? So. They are there for the life of the dog, and they're to help you at any turn. Does your dog kind of become a, a family member like other? Because this dog isn't quite a pet. Mm-hmm. This dog isn't quite a pet. It's more of a, a partner. A she, you know, she's my partner. She's my best friend. <laughs> um, she and I are bonded more than you know. Um, when I'm out on the street and I'm walking, I, I, I totally rely on her to move me through the world. Mm-hmm. She relies on me to say, okay, I'm moving you through the world, where do you want to go? Mm-hmm. And that's up to me to know, let's stop at the corner, 
summer let's turn right I want to go to the bank um, um, summer let's go left uh, to the stairs she'll stop at the top of the stairs wow. we go down the stairs and I'll say you know left and she'll say I'll say let's get to the, the escalator she'll stop at the top of the escalator we get on we go down we get off we go to the turnstile and this is getting on the subway so mm -hmm. it is something that I rely on her to guide me and she relies on me to give her that direction does the summer ever give you verbal cues back <laughs> like, like uh, uh not today. No, not <laughs> what is wonderful, and I'm going to say this is wonderful uh -huh. about the seeing eye and our dogs, is there's something called intelligent disobedience. Okay. So um, they are very careful at the school to train them in in traffic and being able to navigate, um, um, you know, going to a curb and when to cross the street. If, for example, I am at the corner. And I tell her, you know, forward, which means, you know, go on forward and cross the street. And she refuses. And I'll say, forward. And she refuses. Well, I may not know that there is a car about to turn in front of me. Mm -hmm. So she knows when to intelligently disobey me. Mm -hmm. um, likewise, when, um, and this I think was very important for me in the Washington, D.C. area on the metro, I go down on the platform. And there are the center platforms where trains can enter on either side of the platform. And they are taught, if I were facing to wait for the train, and I told her forward, meaning walk forward, which means she would have walked off the tracks, she, she intelligently disobeys me and turns away. And by now you know when that's, when that's happening. I mean, that's... I would imagine yes. there's there's uh, there's a the chemistry. communication yeah. chemistry uh, taking place that is probably subliminal and you your sensory perceptions there somehow yeah. yes there is so much I mean I can walk down the street with her and I know when there is a dog ahead of us before I get there because she gets a certain type of pull mm. and I know when to say you know leave it because she's still a dog and mm -hmm. if I tell her to leave it she'll keep on walking past the dog. Mm -hmm. um, I know with her, we just have a language. I, if, if I say, you know, it's time to go, will you go with me? She's up shaking her head and we're off mm -hmm. and putting her head in the harness. Um, she's okay. always ready to go. I, so go ahead. Karen. Question for you. And sure. thank you so much for enlightening us. I, I've had an experience and I'm honored to again to sit by you. I, I remember there were times there were the little satchels that were on the dogs and it was like please do not touch me I'm working mm -hmm. can you please explain that to people why they should not touch because people always feel they should just go up and just touch someone's dog but can you please explain why people should not touch those dogs sure it's 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 a very delicate relationship that I think when people see me walking down the street and I have her in harness mm -hmm. and we're just sailing down the street you there there's a language going on I'm 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 being guided by her right when she goes to school she learns with an instructor not only to make sure that she is safe but to include my body next to her mm -hmm. in terms of avoiding it avoiding things mm -hmm. so if I'm walking down the street for example and someone says Hey there, sweetie, and there's a pole in front of me. 
I mean, I might hit the pole. She mm-hmm. might miss it. But, you know, it's a matter of making sure we don't compromise the oh. safety and take them off the mark of what they are doing. Mm-hmm. At all times when they're in harness, they are thinking about the process of guiding. So to distract them is hugely mm-hmm. thoughtless and uh, yes. yeah. possibly putting some a person in danger. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's, it's very important. And, and oftentimes people will say, oh, look at your dog. I can see. And, and, and that's also another one, not to identify the dog because, again, when you, you know, get the dog's attention, hi, sweetie, or, or anything like that, then, again, you're distracting them away and it becomes a safety issue. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes I say when I'm in a room, she's here, but let's pretend that, you, that she's not here. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of hard to do. I know. Even I did it this afternoon. She is a sweet, when I, she is a sweet yeah, girl. She's, she's beautiful. And, and, and even but, when dogs are out in the neighborhood, to be careful not to come up to greet her either because that she's a dog right mm-hmm. and you know i have to constantly you know say you know she's working because i've run into that and mm-hmm. someone will try to greet her and i'll mm-hmm. say she's working and, and you know like oh i'm sorry and we'll just say hop up and she'll keep on going and i'll just say thank you yeah. mm-hmm. um, okay i'm mm-hmm. sure there's plenty of uh Education like that, yeah. that that you have to do sure. on, a, on a daily basis. Cynthia, we're going to have to take a break right now. Okay. And when we can come back, we'll continue our conversation with you. This is our guest in studio today, Cynthia Bryant, who is the chair of the board of trustees of the organization called The Seeing Eye. And The Seeing Eye provides specially bred and trained dogs to guide people who are blind. Uh, so we're going to learn more about Cynthia. I really want to talk to you about the work that you do and uh, the duties that you've now um, agreed to <laughs> take on <laughs> for the Seeing Eye. You tuned to 90.1 FM KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. This is Urban Connections, and we'll be back after these messages. Support for KKFI brought to you by the Nelson Atkins Museum of Art, presenting their new exhibition, Alberto Giacometti, Toward the Ultimate Figure, March 18th through June 18th. Alberto Giacometti is widely acclaimed as a defining artist of modernism and of the 20th century. The exhibition investigates the creative process that led to Giacometti's figures through sculpture, painting, and drawing. To learn more information about viewing the first major retrospective of this artist's work in the Midwest, visit nelson-atkins.org. Bento Nuts Radio brings you the best music from around the world with a focus on the music from Africa and the African diaspora. Join us every Friday for global music like this. Or this. And this. So tune in to Bento Nuts Radio every Friday starting at 2 a.m. right here on KKFI 90.1 FM. You can also listen to the show anytime on KKFI Archives at kkfi.org. I can see clearly now the rain is gone I can see all
I can see clearly now, that's from back in the day, 1972, Johnny Nash, you're tuned to 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. This is Urban Connections. I'm your host, Donna Wolf. Our co-host, Karen E. Griffin, is in studio and at the table. Our dear friend, Louis Duguid, is being silent over on the background, and uh, he has brought a wonderful guest uh, to introduce to, to us today, Cynthia Bryant, the chair of the Board of Trustees of the organization called The Seeing Eye. And The Seeing Eye, which was founded in 1929, provides specially bred and trained dogs to guide people who are blind. And you are one of the one of the, one of many firsts mm-hmm. uh, first person of color to serve as chair of this uh, organization you also graduated from the seeing eye and you have your uh, seeing eye partner summer in here yes. uh, with us in the studio as uh, she quietly goes about her her job of taking care of you um, how how Talk about your mission and the Seeing Eyes mission and and what type of work you are going to be doing as its chair. Well, I think um, it's to continue the mission of of working to enhance the independence, dignity, and self-confidence of uh, people who are blind through the use of Seeing Eye Dogs. And we're doing that through donations, gifts. Um, we're doing that through advocacy. Um, we're doing that through making sure that our uh, canine um, um, genetics continues to thrive and, and learn about um, you know, the ways to enhance the partnership, the team. So we're doing it on all different fronts in terms of, of making sure that we're able to fulfill that mission. And that's a huge mission. What about advocacy? What, you, you talked about enhancing the, the dignity uh, mm-hmm. of people who are, are blind. Why is, that, why is that an issue? What's, what's going on? Uh, yeah, why is that an issue? I think it comes from from two things. I, um, you know, we as people, whether or not we uh, lose our eyesight, whatever point that is, if it's from birth, if it's later in life, um, for it's it's part of it is internal understanding that when we are matched with these dogs, it, it's it's a lift to the soul. Um, it's a lift to be able to get back to my own independence. Um, when I want to go to the drugstore, I can go to the drugstore. When I want to walk into a room and find my place in the room and find my chair with my dog, I can do those things. It's, it's a restoration in some ways of the individual um, in terms of you know, how that we will convey and how we will walk in society. Um, I, from, from, from the standpoint of society, it is also showing that look you know look here at these individuals they are demonstrating that dignity let's treat them in that manner Mm -hmm. when we go into um, you know the workplace and we're working with people who are blind um, you know let's remember that it's only blindness Mm -hmm. 
let's remember to treat them with that dignity that they're walking to this room, they're at the table, they are um, ready, willing, and able to be a part of this society. So it, it, it comes from internal and it comes from showing that vision to the world as well. So people, um, I think, typically think of, of blindness as a handicap, I'm doing mm. air quotes, mm -mm. and mm. some sort of inadequacy. Mm -hmm. And what the uh, guide dog does is even out that playing field, it seems. Mm -hmm. It does, and, 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 and you know, Donna, what's, what's, what's very curious about all of this is when we think about it, when we um, as sighted people view the world, 85% of our perception of the world is through our eyes. Right. Mm -hmm. So when we take that away, for a sighted person, it's hard for them to understand that the world can be enjoyed and loved and there's joy mm -hmm. without sight. Right. Yeah. So that is part of the obstacle that we, we get over as well, is simply getting past that mental perception and trying, trying to get folks to move into more of a sensory mindfulness mm -hmm. about other senses that we use and we use them well. Just because we lose our eyesight, you're right, it does not impact our cognitive ability. Yeah. So food still tastes good. Yeah. Everything still tastes good. Sun same. still feels good shining on your face. Right. That's right. Um, it's, it's, but at the same time, it, it greatens your other senses as well, correct? Um, because now you really have to taste more. You have to know your sugar from your salt. And you, and reason why I say that, because I worked in an institution and I was very upset because I am one of those people that I sit at the table and I fight for those who have challenges. I don't like the word disability. Mm -hmm. I like the challenge because really the other people are the ones who have the challenge. Mm -hmm. um, and when I was confused when the word braille was on the restroom it says restroom. Well my thing is why is it on the restroom that says this is the restroom in braille? How does a person supposed to know that who's coming into an institution that does not have their eyesight that's working. And I would get so upset and I'm like, who wasn't at the table? And I'm glad you're at the table now because there's a voice at the table mm -hmm. that says, okay, now I need some kind of sound or some instructions to help me get to the restroom. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. I, I think I spoke too much when I was doing that because someone got mad at me saying that. And what I was, I was looking out for the person who's blind. Mm -hmm. I'm looking out for the person who's deaf. Mm -hmm. I'm, I, because again, I think we take our sight sometimes to a point to a disadvantage and we're, we don't appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I've always said if our eyes see negative, our tongue should speak positive, mm -hmm. has mm -hmm. always been my motto. So thank you for sitting at the table, but is there some way we can figure out how do we make sure that a person whose eyesight is not working, that they still feel included and get to the restroom without having to read and the, feel the sign on the door? Well, um, there's a lot to unpack there. I think it's important um, when we're talking to people with disabilities to make sure that we sit down and ask them, what do you need? Yes. Um, and so oftentimes, there's a decision made as to what you need rather than asking, mm -hmm. you know, let me own who I am mm -hmm. and let's talk about it. Um, um, a lot of, of the, the way that I 
move around sometimes is by touch. Mm -hmm. So if I know that there is a um, um, bathroom down the hall, right. I like your idea of you know there being a beep or something as you get closer. Yeah. I mean that that's that's a fantastic idea that one could explore. But I really may look up if I want to do it on my own mm -hmm. and feel to make sure that I see that that's, you know, the texture of it is the women's bathroom right. mm -hmm. and then head on in. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some of it is that we have to understand that touch is involved mm -hmm. sometimes. But I think that you're right. Um, when we're talking about inclusivity, sometimes people don't ask the question yeah. and um, decide for the person and it may not always be the best decision. Yeah. And that's true in so many realms, in yeah. so many uh, levels and strata of our society, people making assumptions about what's best yeah. or what the best needs are for, for another person. And it's sort of, uh, it's a way of dehumanizing yeah. uh, mm -hmm. individuals that mm -hmm. you don't think they have, what, the intelligence to know right. what's best uh, uh, for themselves. Exactly. Um, so. As far as advocacy uh, concerns, what what are some legislative challenges that uh, the seeing eye or people who uh, are blind might be uh, challenged with? Well, we're still dealing with access. Of course, we have the Americans with Disabilities Act. We have um, the Fair Housing. We have a lot of legislation that's out there. Um, and we're trying to distinguish between service dog versus emotional support or oh comfort my. animal. Mm. And um, the service dogs are, are um, and, 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 and it varies. There's been a lot of legislation in those areas. But the service dog, the guide dog, is, is, is protected under the Americans with Disabilities Act. So when I go into an establishment and... Um, um, someone might say, you can't bring a dog in here, and I say, she's a service dog. That's where the conversation should end, mm -hmm. and it usually does. Um, it doesn't always, but it usually does, and we go on from there. So access issues are a, 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 a point that we're still working on. Transportation, there was a huge, I, I was in the news a lot that people were transporting all sorts of animals on the airplane. Mm -hmm. So legislation came about to, to begin to restrict that, but not, you know, the service, service dog really holds on as they are, um, come from a school, an institution, they are, they are bred, they are trained for a purpose. And, um, you know, we're able to bring them on the plane. Um, emotional support dogs, there's a different um, avenue that they take, mm -hmm. but the, it's, a, it's a constant struggle for access in terms of um, guide dogs. So does anybody have the right, or, um, I'm sure people have the temerity, but do they have the right to ask you that, to prove that yeah, your uh, dog is, is a licensed bona fide service dog? Um, in terms of public access? Yeah, yes. I'm going to say I don't believe so. Okay. What they can, I mean, because when you ask someone um, to prove um, that they are under the law, no. Mm -hmm. But um, people are wanting to do that, mm -hmm. um, put in that type of legislation. Well, what does that do? I'm blind. I walk into an establishment and someone says, 
I need to see your ID, your yeah. proof. Yeah. Okay, I give it to you, but what if you're not the person who really works there? I'm giving you my, my personal right. information. Yes. Um, and also, when you're, when you're trying to say your proof to have that dog in here is almost like saying, show me your proof that that wheelchair is what you need to come in here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and those things, you know, we don't, we don't do those things. So right now, no, when I go into an establishment and I say she's a service dog, that should be enough. Right. And she so. is identified with her harness. Okay. Uh, and what, what do those markings on, on that harness say that would be the identifying uh, piece? It says the seeing, seeing eye on it, but mm -hmm. basically that type of harness is a guide harness okay. um, for a service dog. And it is illegal to try to pass off a service dog. Goody. I'm glad that it is. You know, I, these days I'm seeing um, dogs everywhere. I see dogs in the grocery store, you know, dogs in somebody's purse in, in the grocery in store or in dogs in cart. restaurants and, and all that kind of thing. What is, what is going on with that? I, I, I don't know when that changed and what changed. I don't know how that all has happened, but we have become very, our dogs are, are more important to us, more than our children. It seems We have so. our dogs everywhere we go, and um, that becomes the difficulty for bona fide service dogs, yeah. because then what happens is people are sneaking dogs in if mm. they do, and if that dog misbehaves, you know, that is putting an impression on dogs misbehaving. Mm -hmm. So when you have a service dog come in that won't bis misbehave, you know, they come in with a dark cloud. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really something that's just happening in our society. But there are laws and, you know, people can't enforce them. Oftentimes it's, fun, it's interesting that in, in uh, D.C. we were beginning to have that problem in my neighborhood and there was security at the front saying, you know, your dog isn't allowed in the store. I'd say she's a service dog, see her harness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I went in. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that tells me that they are now saying, we need to watch this because they are sneaking dogs mm -hmm. into the store that are not service dogs. Absolutely. And I think it, it's becoming just bolder and bolder. And I, I mm -hmm. seem to right. see it more frequently. We do have to take one more break. We'll come back and continue our conversation with Cynthia Bryant, who is the chair of the Board of Trustees of the Seeing Eye, that organization that provides specially bred and trained dogs to guide people who are blind. Please stay tuned to 90.1 FM KKFI. This is your very own community radio station. We'll be right back. Tune in every Saturday at 5 p.m. for Changing Narratives, a program hosted by me, Brother Jack. Join me for interviews and discussions that will be informative and entertaining. While interviewing some of the unsung heroes from the African-American community, our goal is to bring balance to the negative narratives that are currently being shared. Once again, every Saturday at 5 p.m., Changing Narratives with Brother Jack. KKFI is the Kansas City area's independent, non-commercial community radio station. 
we seek to stimulate, educate, and entertain our audience to reflect the diversity of the local and world community and to provide a channel for individuals and groups, issues and music that have been overlooked, suppressed, or underrepresented by other media. And that is the KKFI mission statement. Thank you for listening. FM KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. This is Urban Connections. I'm your host, Tana Wolf. Our co host, Karen e. Griffin, is in the studio. And I feel like she's mocking me because she's repeating everything. It's because I'm say. learning my words okay. when you go on vacation. All right. Thank you very much. Or go to the blueberry farm. All right. I digress. <laughs> I digress. Our guest in studio today is um, Cynthia Bryant, JD LLM, who is the chair of the board of. Uh, the chair of the board of trustees of the Seeing Eye organization that provides uh, specially trained dogs to guide people who are who are blind, and this organization has been in existence since 1929. That's a long. Uh, that's a long time. Wow. Yes, For, we oh are. No. <laughs> Surely not. Surely Hello. Not. Everybody in my family and all my friends know that I'm on the air at 4 o'clock, and if I fail to turn my phone off, then somebody will call. Somebody was testing you. I apologize. Oh, no, yes, we're the (laughs) oldest guide dog school in the world, Um, um, and we are coming up on our 95th anniversary next year and our centennial in 2029. Wow. it's, It's a wonderful story that Morris Frank, when he was a teenager, saw an article in a newspaper, read an article in a newspaper, um, about blind veterans that uh, from World War One um, that were being trained in the use of, quote, seeing eye dogs in Switzerland by Dorothy Harrison Hustis. And uh, Dorothy Harrison Hustis is American. So he wrote her and he went over to Switzerland and came back with a seeing eye dog, the only thing she said was to spread the good work that these dogs can do. And that um, is what he did, and she returned, and they jointly founded the organization in Nashville in 1929. Wow. That's a great story. Um, I have a question about aggression from other dogs toward seeing eye uh, guide dogs. <laughs> uh-huh. Is that an issue? Or even aggression from from individuals. What is a the duty of a seeing eye dog if someone were to try to attack you, for example? Our dogs are bred to guide us. You know, I always say they are still a dog, but they are not um, bred to be quote aggressive. They are bred to guide. Um, how she would react, you know, I do not know, but I can tell you that the biggest fear of a guide dog team is a dog attack, and that does happen. Wow. And what happens in a dog attack and the fear of it happening because someone has failed to leash their dog Mm -hmm. or said, oh, she's okay, she's really friendly and come close to you, Mm -hmm. um, all of those things can result in uh, a dog going out of service, 
um, a you know dog being injured, a, a, a handler being injured. So it is very real, and that's why we always say you know it's important to have those leash laws in place and to abide by them. Um, if you have a dog that's a little more excitable, to not bring them close to a seeing eye dog. Um, you know, give give them room um, so that those types of things don't happen. But that is one of the that happens um, uh, fairly often, and um, it's something that we're trying to to educate people on. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's you used to think that common sense uh, went a long way, but I don't think that's the case so much anymore. Yeah, oftentimes people think that, you know, my dog is okay, he won't, but our dogs are still dogs and they have habits yeah. and, you know, they, they may not, when they encounter another dog, you're really never 100% certain what your dog will do. So the best thing um, is to keep your dog on leash and you know at a safe distance from a guide dog user. Are seeing our dogs spayed and neutered generally? They are. Um, when they come back to the school, as I mentioned earlier, when they come back after 14 to 16 months, um, they are evaluated. Most all of them go into training um, for that four-month period with a, with a trainer. But there are certain dogs that um, they look at their genetics, their um, temperament, all sorts of things associated with the litter, and certain dogs will go into to breeding. <laughs> I can say that um, Summer's sister went into breeding. Okay. So um, I'm kind of proud because that means she <laughs> comes from good genes good for right. herself, and they, they took her sister and her sister went into breeding. And, but otherwise, after that, yes, they are um, neutered or spayed. And after, even after breeding, um, you know, they are, they are spayed as well. So um, advice for anyone who feels they may be a good candidate uh, for chaining and, and to have a, a guide dog, what would you suggest? I would suggest that you uh, check out our website at seeingeye.org and and see whether or not there are you know different um, helpful hints there to help you understand whether or not you know it's appropriate for you at this time in your life. Like I said, your age, um, are you mobile? Um, are you out and about? Um, those types of things to to check it out and see if it works for you. And um, you know, apply to the school, and um, you know, someone will contact you. Someone will come out and visit with you, see about your environment, talk to you about it. Um, it's an exciting and rewarding experience. And that website is seeingeye.org. S e e i n g e y e dot org. Now you, J D L L M, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's very high achieving for, for any individual, sighted uh, or not. I would imagine it could have been even more challenging as you uh, began to grapple with the challenge of your sight uh, worsening with the retinitis pigmentitis uh, disease that, that you had mm -hmm. that made your sight progressively worse. Any words for individuals who might be... Um, dealing with that type of challenge, who have 
aspirations uh, such as yours or others academically or otherwise? I would first say that uh, you know if there's a rehab services to help you acclimate to blindness to check that out to make sure that you have your technology uh, your braille reading all of those things in place but above all don't sit still um, it's it's incumbent upon you to take control of your life uh, persevere be resilient be a self-advocate um, we all get knocked down mm -hmm. um, no matter what it is in life uh, blindness or otherwise we get knocked down and what you need to do is stand right back up and if you have a dream or an interest pursue it the one thing I think is great with the seeing eye is um, 75% of the people who come to the seeing eye are employed in some fashion or another. There are some fantastic careers that people have undertaken and I would encourage people to look at the guide magazine that is there. Um, so, so don't sit down. Eyes are just one sense that you have. Thank you so yeah. much uh, for that. Those words of wisdom, Cynthia, that, that that apply to everybody on this 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 planet, whatever your um, difficulty uh, may be. Thank you so much for being our guest here today, Cynthia Bryant, who is the chair of the board of trustees of the Seeing Eye. The Seeing Eye, well, SeeingEye.org uh, is where more information is available about her organization. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank um, you. I appreciate um, your being here. And well, how long are you going to be in Kansas City? Are you going to hang out for a while? I'm going to be here, yeah, for the rest of the month. And hey. Donna, can I add one other other Certainly. thing really quick? Please do. Yeah, that we are um, we rely on donations from people, from individuals, foundations, corporations. Um, bequests and plan giving so um, you know if you feel in your heart find out about us and and uh, um, help sustain our mission that's another 501c3 uh, organization uh, dedicated to serving people and um, helping them with their needs so the seeingeye.org thank you Cynthia thank you Louis Duguid yeah. for bringing Cynthia yeah, to introduce right. us here today <laughs> Alrighty, please stay tuned, everybody, at the top of the hour for Brother Jay. And uh, guess who's, oh, I almost said Changing guess the who's narrative. coming to Kansas I got City. you. Changing narratives. Yes. I can see clear.